police federal search warrant. Please help me welcome Tina Peters. On the steps of the state capitol, there were signs and cheers for Republican Mesa County Clerk Tina Peters. She faces felony charges accused of tampering with her county's election equipment. Mesa County clerk and recorder allowed a security breach and by all evidence at this point assisted it. The one we least suspected would hack the computer was the clerk herself. Images from election equipment hard drives were released to conspiracy theorists are hailing Mesa County's Republican clerk Tina Peters as a hero. Peters critics say her pursuit of voter fraud has turned up zero evidence. One Republican Mesa County commissioner calls her conspiracy theorist Mesa County clerk Tina Peters has publicly promoted unfounded claims. An arrest warrant's been issued for Mesa County clerk Tina Peters for the public release of voting system data from her county. FBI searches at four homes. They include that of the Mesa County clerk. Tina Peters is a fugitive tonight. Peters considered an idol in election conspiracy circles. Got arrested today. New video into the newsroom showing police handcuffing Tina Peters in Grand Junction today. She's also a major proponent of Donald Trump's big lie. We cannot have election administrators who are pushing the big lie. My name is Tina Peters. According to the media, I'm a Trump-supporting election fraud conspiracy theorist guilty of perpetuating the big lie. You may have gone to bed thinking this election was headed one way, and then you woke up and you saw things were different in me. In full transparency, I did support Donald Trump in 2020 because I sincerely believed the alternative would be harmful to the future of our nation. By admitting that, I realize I've already lost some of you. That's how polarized and divided we've become. Putin claimed he invaded Ukraine. Politicians and the media have done a good job in wiring our minds to distrust anyone who thinks differently. The biggest terror threat in this country comes from radicals on the far right. It's not just the far left wackos. It's always been a game of divide and conquer. To gain the power and control they desire, our selected leaders will stop at nothing to destroy the lives and reputations of anyone who dare call out their big lies. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. And President Biden has tested positive again. Perhaps the greatest flaw in our human design is our propensity to forget. Nicotine is not addictive. Weapons of mass destruction. It seems every four years, the losing side cries. That our voting machines are too vulnerable. It is the voting machines that pose some of the greatest risks. And when they win, they claim. This is the most secure election in our history. Most secure in American history. A very safe and secure 2020 election. The 2020 election was the most secure in US history. If our nation's voting machines were so vulnerable, in the 2016 election. What changed in 2020? Nothing but the narrative. Before I was known as a crazy conspiracy theorist, I was a cancer survivor, a wife, and a gold star mom. And we begin tonight with the Memorial Day skydiving event going terribly and tragically wrong for a Navy SEAL. My only son died at the age of 27 when his parachute failed during a military skydiving demonstration. Family members call Remington Peters an angel on earth. The Navy said, I am Tina Peters and I'm running for Mesa County Clerk and Recorder. In 2018, I was elected by the people of Mesa County to serve as their elections clerk and recorder. 
After the 2020 election, I was contacted by numerous individuals who all shared concern about the integrity of our local voting system. Considering my vantage point, I was certain that if there was any election irregularities, I would be the first to see them. It wasn't until the city council elections in April that I began to see things that I couldn't unsee. What I witnessed with my own eyes warranted a thorough investigation. Wave night night to daddy. Night night, honey. Wave night night to daddy. Wave night night. Night night, daddy. Night night. Night night. Dog. Yeah. Casey. Hey, wave night. Right after I went through a cancer diagnosis and surgery, I realized that there was more in my life that needed to be done. I'd never been involved in politics, and uh, right before the 2016 election, I decided that I really needed to get involved. I was one of eight people at a volunteer meeting, and I said, oh my goodness, we have, we have got to get involved. And I just started walking door to door, talking to people, and found out it didn't matter what party they were in. Um, if they were rich, they were poor, in between, it did not matter. Everybody wanted to preserve their way of life. Everyone loved their families. Uh, they loved their freedom. And uh, so then I decided I wanted to get more involved in the community. When I told my son that I was thinking of running for office, he said, oh, mom, he says, you've got this. He said, the only thing is you'll probably do more than what's required. I had no idea at that time what that would mean. And six months later, in reading his uh, SEAL Team 6 paperwork after he died, in there it says, describe your mother. And he wrote three words, she fixes things. I made a promise to the people in my county that, that elected me, that believe in me, that trust me, to make sure that I protect their vote. And once you drop that ballot off, you're trusting someone else to record your vote for you in the manner that you cast it. That's my job. We want to welcome everybody here. I'm Tina Peters. I'm the Mesa County Clerk and Recorder. Uh, I am clerk over five divisions, uh, which is uh, motor vehicle and uh, recording. I think we think you have to be um, a really engaged Democrat or Republican or in order to vote, in order to care about these things. And a lot of people will say it doesn't matter anyway, I'm just not gonna vote. It does matter. I remember when Sharona came, it was basically to talk about the canvassing results that they were getting. We were heavily involved in our canvassing efforts in Grand Junction in Mesa County. And um, it, it just was getting weirder and weirder. And people were bringing affidavits regularly after every canvassing effort. And we started taking it to the clerk and recorder. She says, We've, we were canvassing, we're walking door to door, we're finding irregularities, people that don't live there, that voted, and, and she's, and I said, just bring them to me. When she was like, you know, if you find something, bring it to me, and we'll try to answer your questions, because I'm sure it can be answered reasonably. Bring whatever you have. I said, if there's a there there, we'll find it. 
the great thing about Clerk Peters is she really does believe in this, in real democracy, in the real interaction of the people with the elected officials. All of the people in our elections department are Colorado certified election officials. And so even though I'm, I'm the designated election official, so everything falls on me, I, I heavily depend on my director and my managers and my chief deputy and the staff to do the jobs that they are uh, they are tasked with. Uh, but we do, do have backup uh, processes to make sure that everything is done properly. All these people every day are calling her office. They're bringing this information to her office. And, you know, people are upset with the clerk. I, I was just, in my mind, I was going through this scenario to try to figure out, okay, the things you're telling me, how could this possibly be? Because we have this, you know, precaution or this gold standard process. And so I'm running all this through my head and they're telling me different things and I'm processing it and I'm, and I'm, I'm trying to disprove it, but not trying to be foolish about it. Just trying, just understanding what they're saying based on what I know. In Colorado as a whole, we had 5,500 dead people cast ballots. We had 25,000 people who don't even live in this state cast ballots in our election in 2020. I realized that there were a lot of questions that they had and a lot of answers that I didn't have, and that's what started it. At a certain point, um, she finally said, you know, I think we need to figure out what's going on here. I said, we need to find out. I need to be able to answer these people's questions. But one thing we didn't consider was the machines. The topic of computerized voting can be complex, but not to worry. My name is Hal. My pronouns are it and that. I'll be your automated guide today explaining certain topics and information. Please sit back, relax, and leave the explaining to me. First off, a little trip back in time. Americans have a heritage of the vote no other nation on earth can match. Because in the modern world, we were the first to build a working system of government on the foundation of the vote. In the very first US election, machines were not allowed to vote. They used paper ballots instead. It wasn't until 1892 that machines were able to cast their first ballot when the first machine was used in New York. Sadly, machine voting didn't become popular until the 1910s and 1920s. Busy people often, by habit, make check marks on the ballot in states where X's are required. They might as well have stayed home. Commissioner Miller told me about the ease and speed and economy of voting with machines over paper ballots. He records and counts his own vote by returning the operating handle to the left. He does not hand any papers to any human beings. Despite this leap into the future, for some strange reason, people still wanted to vote on paper. So my friend Chad came up with a plan to use both. Slick 1980s technology ought to mean a very high rate of reliability. Listen to computer whiz Howard J. Strauss of Princeton. If somebody set out to alter the outcome of an election, it's not only possible, but it's rather easy. This system has virtually no protection. It's not a house with uh, doors without locks. It's a house without doors. Could you put the fix in in a national election? Realistically, could it be done? Yeah, get, get, get me employed by the uh, company that uh, writes this program. In that, in that case, you only, only need to bribe one person. One person writing the software. You'd have access to a third of the votes in the country. Is that enough to throw the election? In 1988, 
Ronnie Duggar, reported in The New Yorker. Willis Ware, a RAND Corporation computer specialist, warned, there is probably a Chernobyl or a three-mile island waiting to happen in some election. Computers can be ordered to transfer votes from one candidate to another, to add votes to a candidate's total, and determine an outcome in accordance with a specified percentage spread. All the computer experts I have spoken with agreed, no computer program can be made completely secure against fraud, and regard the theft of the presidency by computer as entirely possible. Paper, not machines, were obviously the problem. So we threw Chad under the bus. Most people thought Chad was the name of a person, not the name of a clingy rectangle that refuses to let go of a punch card ballot. Soon those punch card ballot machines will sit forever silent, because in two years, federal funding will push this out of the ballot box. Because of the problem paper caused, the Help America Vote Act was signed into law providing shiny modern computers to voters across the country. Improve accessibility and technology of voting places, $3 billion. Many U.S. states decided to abandon paper systems and instead use touchscreen computer voting machines. Finally, the digital age of voting where nothing could go wrong. Oh, sorry. Election workers are scrambling all over the country trying to deal with an avalanche of last-minute problems with e-voting machines with this information just pouring in. It's difficult to understand how the electorate can feel any sense of confidence in our upcoming election. I would just like to know what you can say to reassure us that this election will not be rigged or stolen. Well. Well, I tell you what, it, it helps in Ohio that we got uh, Democrats in charge of the machines. With, with all this, John, it, it seems clear that we are replacing a relatively simple system. You check a box or hit a lever with a new, very complicated one that hasn't been tested, leaves no physical record even to, to check afterwards. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why are we doing this? These voting machines are shiny. They go beep and boop. Things must have changed by now, right? There's this new idea, and maybe it'll help. Surely electronic voting is, is just around the corner. No. No, it's, it's really not. Here is why electronic voting is still a bad idea. Well, it enables wholesale fraud, interference at scale. It's literally like the difference between going from pickpocketing individual wallets to being able to engage in credit card fraud. I started off as a launch officer for intercontinental ballistic missiles. I went from there to a deployable space surveillance unit to U.S. Space Command, offensive space control, planning and then directing the operational testing of weapon systems, exercise planning for space forces to command the 6th Space Warning Squadron to the RAND Corporation, and then from there to the Pentagon, my last active duty assignment. My job was to oversee operational testing for space forces within, within the Department of Defense. I was prepared by the U.S. government to do this kind of work. Too many voters have cast votes on machines that jam or malfunction. These and other serious allegations of fraud undermine the perceived legitimacy of this election. As we look at 
our election system, I think it's fair to say that there are many legitimate questions about its accuracy, about its integrity. We brought in um, folks who, before our eyes, hacked election machines. I wasn't doing anything before 3rd November 2020, and then, you know, I saw something that raised my curiosity. I went to read everything I could find about the voting systems, the manufacturers, the people who test them, the regime for testing, the statutes. I used to direct this kind of attention towards adversaries and what they were trying to do to the U.S. forces and systems. We have all these electronic computerized voting systems where you can't see how they do addition and where the systems that are in use are phenomenally complex. These are modern computer systems being used in a lot of places. Now, a lot of the older systems, which were vulnerable, which were hacked, we saw at the hacker villages, the voting village at DEF CON, the hacker conferences in Las Vegas, they had demonstrated the vulnerability of a lot of the older voting systems. We were there specifically to attend something called the Voting Village, which is something that's gone on for three years. And in this, its third year, they had assembled some of the most common voting machines in the country. Every voting machine in this room is in use in next elections. We are actually asking your help because we don't know much about those devices. They are bought from eBay and they do have the previous election in. What was so interesting was I assumed coming into it that the big manufacturers, companies like ES&S and Dominion, had provided these machines to the hackers to, you know, field test them. But no, it turns out there's an extremely hostile relationship there and that ES&S and Dominion and other companies have basically said, we don't want to participate and, and really have, have been quite aggressive in, in saying we don't want to be part of this. Uh, have any of you reached out to DEF CON to participate? We have not uh, provided our equipment to them for testing. Okay. If it's not DEF CON, we're committed to that. We have actually submitted our systems through the DHS's uh, penetration testing process. But not DEF CON? Not DEF CON. When you, you write code and it's, and it's actually text, you can kind of read it. And then that gets what's called compiled into, again, ones and zeros. You can't read any of it. There is a possibility that you can reverse that process to a degree. Uh, however, that there are some serious legal issues involved with doing that. So it would be easy for me to hide that code. It's easy to hide that code. Yeah, because it's a big program. Oh, so yes. You've got oh, yes. Computers don't speak English. Exactly what language do you think I'm speaking? Mr. Curtis, are there programs that can be used to secretly fix elections? Yes. How do you know that to be the case? Because in October of 2000, I wrote a prototype for President Congressman Tom Feeney at the company I worked for in Oviedo, Florida that did just that. And this is what I produced, basically. It looks like that. Doesn't even matter what you did on the screen besides. You could have voted for the other guy while you were doing this, and it will go back and it will change the logs and it will fix the vote so that one side wins 51-49. Is this the actual program that you built for them? No. So you don't have the actual software that no, you wrote No, I just rewrote a duplicate of it because it's, it's real simple. It's like 100 lines of code. This is a little garbage program that I wrote for Feeney. You don't see the actual vote count. 
So you walk up. Who do we want to vote for here? Carrie is winning. A little bit. Okay? <laughs> you come in, you vote for Bush. You vote for Bush. You vote for Bush. Always adds by one. Vote for Carrie. Vote for Carrie. So the people that are going to be validating this machine can stand there all day long and vote for somebody, and it will be right every time. Pretty simple. Okay? But the guy could walk up here, and if he hits the right buttons, he can flip the vote that easy. So the whole vote toll has changed. You can have 20 people standing behind his back while he's poking at a screen, and you never saw it. What's the percentage that you worked out to? 51-49. 51 to 49. Because it's under the uh, under the recall. And would that program that you designed be something that elections officials could detect? They'd never see it. And your testimony is under oath? Yes, sir. And the testimony you've given is true? Yes, sir. Thank you. The courts will not let you look at the source code. They say it's proprietary. Well, there are a lot of proprietary things, and you just have the lawyers sign an agreement that they're not going to expose it, and you're done. But no, you can't even look at it. The touchscreen machines, those are obviously the most controversial. They leave no paper ballot. How do those work? Well, it's quite simple. First, the voter touches the name of his or her preferred candidate in any given race. Heat pressure differentials in the touchscreen unit then transmit a digital representation of the voter's choice here to the computer where things happen. <laughs> And, and when you say things, what, what, what kind of things? Oh, nobody knows. These, <laughs> these machines are built by private companies which count our votes using secret proprietary software. We don't have a right to know what goes on inside those. All you have is a counting machine. You have a scanner that counts a dot. You shouldn't want it to do anything else. Anything else is a problem. There shouldn't be anything proprietary about that because it's so simple to write that... A beginning computer student could write it. So whatever proprietary thing they're doing there, you have to wonder what they're doing. The purpose, I think, of this commission is to establish some level of trust, voter trust. And so when a voter finds out that we're not counting what the ballot says, but some computer language that no one can read, that's kind of a problem for me. Putting a computer between a voter and his ballot is going to make sure that you don't have an auditable, reliable election. No humans I know can read barcode very well. These are really cool ballots that come out of here. They have one of those little, uh, what do you call them, the square? QR yeah, QR code. Voter registration here in Colorado is um, kind of unique because we are considered the gold standard. I believe the night of the 2020 election, I ran a gold standard election. I sincerely do. And then after, you know, uh, a month or so, people kept coming to me and kept coming to me. You know, there's something not right. And I knew there were things that didn't look right across the country. But I didn't think it happened in our town. I really didn't. I had no reason to think that until April. 
What happened to us was a municipal election in April of 2021. A city council election was held in Mesa County. And it was, again, this is a 70% red community. We had fantastic candidates who were running for city council. We had one incumbent, you know, just these great men in the community who had stepped up to run. And then we had four other people. One of them was Governor Polis's protégés in his governor program that he ran. So clearly he wasn't going to get elected in this community. And then the other three were just known kind of middle of the road, moderate Democrats. And they just, there was nothing exciting about them to compel people to vote for them and so the election night happened the conservative candidates had so much traction people were excited to vote for them by the showing of people you knew okay this is awesome people are really with them the city council election went exactly the opposite all four of the leftist progressive candidates won not even the incumbent maintained his seat and then finding out that one of the candidates that won knew that he had won and who else had won about 30 minutes before the election results, before I published the election results, before I even knew what the election results were, shocked me. 30 minutes before the election was called, they knew they had won. The campaign manager announced that all four had won, to their surprise, by the way, they were surprised that all four had won, and they also knew the margins of their win. That's impossible. No one knows what those results are until we upload them and publish them. Now the clerk and recorder didn't even know who the winner was for 30 more minutes and hadn't announced it until 7 p.m. I, I just felt sick in my stomach. It was one of those moments when you, when the light bulb goes off and you say there's something wrong here. It's that gut feeling that something is not right. A trusted build, which is a routine update to voting equipment done in every county annually, is attended by a very limited number of people for security reasons. The Secretary of State, Jenna Griswold, came out with something called a trusted build. Trusted build is the process of installing a new certified version onto the voting system of the software and hardware. Just like on your phone, you can install new software on your phone. And if you knew you were going to install a change that might delete all of those vital, important files, you would back them up. So this trusted build kept getting pushed out. But they finally set a date to come into Mesa County on the 25th. I, I'm, I'm very transparent uh, as far as having people in to observe what's going on, educate them in the process. They didn't want any of that. I couldn't get IT to help me. I couldn't get these questions answered that I had. She started asking questions to the clerk's association and they really weren't answering anything. It was just kind of a, that's really cute. It's just a, it's just a software update. It's gonna be just fine. The Secretary of State's office did inform me there will be deletions and that we as clerks were supposed to back up information that we wanted to save. They were gonna delete a QR code program that would have made it impossible for me to do an audit, should one have been requested. In the email from the Secretary of State's office, April 30th, 2021, it says, in advance of the upgrade to your voting system, I'm reaching out to provide guidance on how to prepare for our visit. And then it goes on to say, the on-site installation of the trusted build is not the time for members of the public, representatives from the local parties, 
or county officials other than the clerk and recorder to observe or ask questions about the process or any of the disinformation being pushed out about the election. We've been hearing rumors across America, especially from what was happening in Arizona, that there may be this attempt to wipe the systems clean. I am obligated to maintain everything pertaining to an election for 25 months in the state of Colorado. So she's obligated by federal and state statute to preserve election records when it's a complex computer system. It has to include all user activity, system start, stop, logins, communications, error messages, normal processes, everything. If it happens on there, it should be in a log file, and the log file should be preserved. Backing up our system was exactly what the Dominion and Secretary of State requested in their email to me. It says, back up any election projects on your voting system to removable media before our arrival. If the IT department in Mesa County had agreed to do the backup, I would have been more than happy, and that's as far as it would have gone. But when they denied that request, and I had no one else to turn to, with all the suspicious activities going on, people coming into my office, the uh, April 6th municipal election results, the Secretary of State asking for secrecy, barring anyone from any transparency into this trusted build. I commissioned someone to back up the people's election files. I got there about eight o'clock and they were already there, working fast and furious. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, the person that I had to oversee what they're doing is not here. I felt like I needed to go ahead and record it so that I could play it back later for him to make some sense of what they were doing. So what's us? Oh, that's what you're doing now, renaming the users? The... That's a lot just to get rid of a QR code. Gosh, I, you know, I don't understand why so much for a QR code. I'd always been told that these machines cannot be connected to the internet and they have no capability. There's nothing that is connected to the internet. So nobody can get in and hack, the Russians can't hack into the, and start casting votes for someone. Yeah, the only thing um, with them is they're connected to each other, the tabulation, adjudication, and the server, but it's all its own little network. It's not connected to any data stream of any kind. This one has wireless. Right. But the devices are, are grayed out. Oh, I so see. Okay. So, but you'd be able to go in and do that, though, right? Yeah. By by unlocking it and putting the password right. in. Okay. Yeah, so when you come here, we I, I unlock it. They set it up. Gotcha. I how it's supposed to be with all these settings. Right. And I just check them and make sure good. According to eight Colorado Code Regulation 1505-1-20. Point 19, the county must use the voting systems only on a closed network or in a standalone fashion. That means they cannot be connected to the internet nor have the capability of being connected to the internet. Voting systems are, by design, meant to be used as closed systems that are not networked, meaning they, they are not connected to the internet. You're not allowed to connect wirelessly to anything outside the voting system network, but that's how they were ordered by the vendor. That's how they were certified by the Election Assistance Commission's uh, accredited voting system testing labs. But the computer part of these 36 devices 
had wireless modems in them. Whether they were enabled, whether they were used or not, we don't know because the logs... And some of them had open. actual multiple, so that's why the, another reason yeah. why the number is so large. Based on the information that I was given, I doubted the QR program was the only thing that they removed. So I took a second image so we could compare. Last week, our office became aware that there was a breach in security protocols at the Mesa County Clerk's Office regarding Mesa County's election components. This is my office. I'm an elected official. I can have whoever I want in the office as long as they're accompanied by someone with a uh, security check. There was a gentleman that stepped up, a member of the community, who passed all the necessary requirements, Gerald, whose card was used. So when this all happened, you were just hired for a routine IT job, you know, something that you've probably done a hundred times. Right, and I would say I was never hired, I was vetted to be used as a consultant when needed. Okay, and uh, so you got a badge mm -hmm. that gave you clearance to perform your duties right. as information technology. When and if a situation occurred where I'd be needed, yeah. But when things got tough, he changed his story. Wood's involvement is important in this because his badge was used to access the computers and Peters introduced a man that she was with as Gerald Wood the day the state came in to do the upgrade. But Wood told the grand jury he was only in the office for a day, turned in his badge at the end of the day and wasn't there when his badge was used in the alleged conduct. He accused me of stealing his identity. <laughs> you know, even with all the witnesses, you know, you never know what you'll do when they come for you. Um, so we believe the uh, quote-unquote employee who was not an employee's name was told to us, Gerald Wood. Uh, he was um, entered into the log by the county clerk's office uh, for the trusted build. Uh, there were only seven people at the trusted build. They got a search warrant and the county officials and the Secretary of State's office were in my elections office. And when my chief deputy, she started taking pictures through the window because they wouldn't let her in. Then they papered up the window so she could not see what they were doing. After several hours, they let her go in. It was almost like a staged event. They let her go in and they go, see, see, there's, there's settings that have been changed. Well, I can assure you, there were no settings ever changed. After the video was taken on May 25th, video surveillance of Mesa County's voting equipment was not turned back on until recently. Video surveillance was not continuous and cannot confirm chain of custody of voting equipment and is inconsistent with my department's understanding of the normal course of business in Mesa County. According to election rule 20.9.2, the cameras are supposed to be on 60 days before an election and 30 days afterwards. Well, we were well beyond the 30 days after the municipal election, so I had turned the cameras off with instructions to turn them back on in August and plenty of time uh, before the November election. Um, but what I can say is the passwords that were leaked were specific to Mesa County. Uh, they are only used in Mesa County. We know exactly when they were taken. We know how they were accessed. Uh, and there is no indication whatsoever that this is a problem anywhere else in the state of Colorado. Until she revealed that they had secret passwords, that Dominion and the Secretary of State had secret passwords into the Mesa County equipment, no one knew that. 
Danny, do we have these passwords? Uh, no, the state just keep them. What's that? The state just keep them. The state won't let us have our own password? Not the bio Not the bio yeah, you don't need to have any business to change them. Oh. I didn't even know they had secret passwords. I thought my office and my clerks were the only ones that had passcodes, and they're locked up. Um, first and foremost, I think it is extremely concerning uh, that an elections official from the state of Colorado is actively working to undermine confidence and spread disinformation about our award-winning voting system. Secretary of State Griswold told me to recant and renounce and repudiate what I said on Facebook Live, that these machines needed to be more transparent to the people. I said, no, I won't recant, repudiate, and renounce what I said, and that Dominion can compete just like any other vendor for who is most secure, most accurate, and most transparent. When I would not sign this agreement she took it to a judge and said, see, she's gonna break the law again. Jenna Griswold sued me. They kicked me out of my office unlawfully and labeled me a criminal. The FBI raided the home of Sharona Bishop, that's the former campaign manager for Congresswoman Lauren Bollert of Colorado. According to Bishop, here's what happened, quote, while homeschooling my youngest children, the FBI decided it was necessary to bust open my front door with a battering ram and put me in handcuffs, terrifying my family. They were yelling that this was the FBI, um, opened the door. I took my two youngest children into their bedroom. The Colorado Attorney General's office writing this judicially authorized search was executed in a professional and lawful manner. Counterterrorism aimed at people who asked questions about the last election results. Every election of your lifetime has been contested. And you can have the election stolen from you. This is not what we do in America. We don't silence people like this, and we certainly don't criminalize them and terrorize them. Then that same day, and you didn't read this in the New York Times either, the feds hit the home of Mesa County Republican clerk, Tina Peters. What was the justification for that raid? We're breaking into a lot of houses all of a sudden of Trump voters, why? Well, in this case, DOJ said Peters raised doubts about the legitimacy of the last election. That's not allowed anymore, can't question the outcome. They didn't arrest her, they just tore her house apart. When the FBI agent came up to my door, he actually put tape on my ring doorbell to cover it up. FBI, federal search warrant, come to the door. Woke me up from a deep sleep. I was very disoriented. They're yelling, FBI, FBI, come to the door, federal search warrant. They took every storage device, every thumb drive, every computer I've ever owned. I never hid what I was doing. I want them to know the truth. At any time that they wanted information from me, all they had to do was come. Peter called the raid evidence of, quote, a level of weaponization of the Justice Department we haven't seen since the McCarthy era. But of course, even during McCarthy, no one did that. When my um, election manager, when they raided her home that day, they had, they made her daughter, her 16-year-old daughter, stand out in her underwear on the front porch. Elections is 
an exciting world. There's there's just so much going on and so much to it, and and you when you can uh, bring pride and security to the process, so that voters can feel safe in casting their votes and knowing that they count. That's that's what's important. This is the same DA that had put two men in jail for sexually assaulting this child from the, from the age of four years old. This is the same DA that knew what it would mean to this child to have her stand out on the front steps in front of her neighbors in her underwear, to go and raid somebody's home, grandmothers, people that don't have any prior history of any violence or anything they've done to break the law. I didn't even have a, a speeding ticket or a parking ticket. Um, my chief deputy, most wonderful woman, Sandy, you know, just, just people doing their job. And when I came back that night, and I came into the garage, I looked and there was a box. It was a box that had the effects of my son's that I had not been able to open since his death in 2017. Laying there on the floor all disheveled. It represented places that I didn't want to go. Things I didn't want to see. You know, that box is something that, um, I don't know if I would have ever. It made me realize that we all have boxes that we need to open. We all have things that we need to face. Satan, we're gonna tear your kingdom down. Oh, Lord. I never thought that by standing up for truth and refusing to back down, my life would be so affected like this. But when you know you're doing the right thing, and when you know that God has called you to do something, you can't turn away. Sometimes the process takes you through some very difficult times. But I'm at peace with this. And the more they come after me, the more determined I am to do the right thing. I heard a mother say, the mothers are gonna break your kingdom down. Oh, you better watch out now, Satan. Oh, the
that the image is a perfect copy. Yeah, so it's it a, a clone of the system. It's a hard drive. Forensic copy, bit for bit, of everything that was on the Mesa County computer. I had some people who, who knew my capabilities uh, that said, you really ought to look at this. She's the clerk. So the system's operation for an election, it was her duty to preserve those election records. And then when they compared the two images, they discovered that election records had been deleted or altered. 29,000 of them that are the fingerprints, the DNA, the blood type of how they got to the totals of the 2020 and the 2021 election. Just to clarify, there were two forensic images taken of the Mesa County election server. One before the software update, another image taken after. Then you were able to compare the two. Everything that had been on that drive before this update was gone. Looks like a cover-up. Low risk of being caught, low consequence if they are caught. I mean, there's, there's a lot, there's a layered defense against transparency for the public. The reason we know it was deliberate is because of Tina Peters. Are those files important to elections? Critical. Well, doesn't the Colorado Secretary of State claim they are not important? Best case, she's wildly ignorant. The federal voting system standards are very clear that the election records that are required to audit a voting system include the digital records that are all the log files generated by that voting system, especially when it's a complex computer system. Inside the Mesa voting system, there are three primary databases, a tabulation database, an adjudication database, and a master database. When ballots come in, they are scanned in batches of up to 100 each. An image file is created for each ballot, and the counts for each batch are saved into the tabulation database. Batches are then stored in the adjudication database along with unique ballot ID information about each ballot. Without the clerks doing anything, and that's very, very important, they, they had no knowledge of this happening, were as shocked as anyone else when they found out much later. Something inside the machines created new databases for two out of the three. If you look at these two databases as sort of uh, sets of books, uh, new sets of books were created. They were initially empty. And then within the next few minutes, about 20,000 of the 25,000 ballots, the records of them, you know, the actual information, was copied to the new database. But the other 5,000 Leaving 5,500 sitting in the old database. Those 20,000 that were moved to the new database, that were copied to the new database, they went through the system again as, as if they were new. But the number of adjudications, the number of ballots that it couldn't read, mm -hmm. wasn't the same. It was off by several hundred. The way that those images were, were looked at did not represent the same ballots exactly as they had the first time, or those numbers would have matched. The computer looks at the digital image of the ballot and it looks to see where the people filled in the ovals. If there's a problem, like uh, maybe there's marks in, in, in two ovals for the same race, or they didn't fill out an oval enough, or stray marks on the, you know, or a write-in, 
Okay, another another good example. Then it will be sent to what's called adjudication, which is sometimes referred to as manual adjudication, meaning it goes to a team of humans and they look at it and then they decide, oh, this person either meant to vote that or we can't tell, so we're not going to count that vote at all. Now, they are looking at the picture of the ballot. They're yes, not looking at the physical yeah, ballot. They're actually looking at the When the ballots were scanned in, the scanner took a picture, just like your cell phone, take a picture of every ballot. And now that image should be frozen in time, but we don't we're know not sure they were. So, once a ballot is digitized and removed from its authentication fingerprint, or SHOW file, it's just as manipulatable as a photo in Photoshop. I recall a demonstration like this at DEF CON. Ah, uh, yes. The strategy of our attack is simple. Alter the votes within a ballot image in a way that is both undetectable and also consistent with the voter's original markings. We first use a template match to extract the individual races within the ballot. We now crop out the title of the race from the top candidate's window. Once we've done this, we can extract the bounding boxes around each candidate's vote bubble by using a series of linear sweeps. We simply swap the pixels inside of these boxes and we've altered the votes. The actual attack happens much faster and also has no visual components to it whatsoever. We have no way of verifying that those images, those pictures of the ballots, uh, were not altered. The reason you don't know that is because there's an authentication file that's supposed to accompany the image. You can think of it as being a fingerprint. So the fingerprint, the authentication code that's supposed to be attached to every picture of every ballot was missing. If there was a program running in there that had the ability to do the database changes that we saw, it would certainly have the ability to do changes to anything else in the system. It would be difficult to build a system more vulnerable than what they built. It's not just that there are back doors that you can access the system from an iPhone through a wireless device if the wireless device is enabled. It's not just that there's no protection on the database, it's that it had unauthorized software installed. Microsoft SQL Server Management Studio. It's sort of an easy button for manipulation of databases. It should never be on a voting system, but it was on the system when it was used in the election in November 2020. The actual votes, uh, and, and it's actually the way it's stored in the Dominion system is four people in this precinct voted for Biden and three people in this precinct voted for Trump. Okay, that, that information, okay, that actually says how many votes are for what candidate exists in one place in the database. What we call a table, it's, it's basically a, a, a spreadsheet within the, the filing cabinet. If I were to go in using the tools that are installed on the server and changed a number in one of those, and let's say instead of four for Biden, I said 4,000. When they ran their reports, it would show an extra 4,000. There would be it, it no warning, there would be no checks, there would be the, no the balances, the, the whole database. rest of the system would think everything was fine. That is what we call a single point of attack and a single point of failure. What about the 5,500 ballots left in the old database? I've analyzed those 5,500 ballots that were left in the first one and not copied to the second one, even though their votes were still counted in the system. They, in my opinion, are not real. Mesa County is a very, very red county. In 2016, it went roughly somewhere around 65-28 toward Trump. Even when you analyze just the mail-in ballots from Mesa, uh, Trump still won that county 
handily even through the mail-in. If you analyze the votes on those, they are within a couple votes, 50-50 between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. This is a 70-30 or 65-35 county. The law of large numbers is a fundamental rule of statistics. It's also a pretty good rule of thumb for how things tend to work in real life. Flip a normal coin and there's a 50% chance it will be heads, 50% tails. Most people instinctively know if you flip a coin 500 times, it should be heads around 250 of those times. Watching election results roll in is kind of like tossing a coin. It's not a 50-50 game, like a coin toss, but it is a randomized selection of either A or B. At first, when the vote count is low, the numbers might be all over the map. But as the count grows, the law of large numbers takes effect and the final results fall into place. Mesa County is a deep 65% to 35% red county. The first 5,500 ballots being evenly split between Biden and Trump, let alone the first 25,000, appears to be a statistical impossibility. Because of the law of large numbers, we should see the results of those almost 20,000 ballots and then the result of the over 50,000 ballots actually be within only a few percentage points difference of each other. And by a few, I'm saying perhaps three, perhaps four. Uh, the fact that they are 16% off is a total violation of the law of large numbers and a total indication that there was manipulation. I like to use the term point shaving. I think everybody understands, a lot of people understand what point shaving is in sports. It's like, we're not going to win, but I want to shave the points so that we beat the spread. Let me see if I can process this. According to what you're saying, machines buried extra votes in Mesa County where Donald Trump is still likely to win, and where no one is ever likely to look. And, if they did it here, there's a chance it machines also did it other counties across the state, artificially inflating Biden's total and reducing Trump's. So they lost the county, but won the state. Yes. In the municipal election in uh, April of 2021, amazingly enough, the same procedure happened. Whereas new databases were created, a certain number were copied, a certain number were left behind. There were four city council races in Grand Junction. The largest margin of victory in any of those was about 3,000 votes. The number of votes which are now seriously in question are about 8,000. So more than twice the amount of the margin of victory in the largest, the largest margin of victory. Can machines really cheat on this scale and get away with it? That's the $64,000 question. The Mesa County uh, database and the information found there is the Rosetta Stone because we see what happened there. We see the effects on the votes and, the, and that happened there. And we're able to use that to uh, basically see what is happening in other states. Newsweek, other outlets showing that scores of votes may have been double counted. Forensics examination of Dominion voting systems finds votes were switched. It's all because of a programming error that led to some...
Who won the election in Arizona? We don't know, because as the audit demonstrates, there are a lot of issues with this election that took place. Officials in Maricopa County, Arizona, did not have any control over the voting machines during the 2020 elections. They don't have that second password to get into the administrative functions of the machines, that only Dominion has that, which is kind of stunning to us. The testimony focused on the computer systems and what's called a chain of evidence. Some saying it was compromised. Causing a 6,000 vote swing. Several said they were intimidated and escorted out trying to watch the vote counting. Denied their legal right to monitor the election with poll workers blocking windows and padlocking doors. Hundreds of reports of our poll watchers Secretary of State called Action 7. She has found a big problem within the framework of New Mexico's 1.1 million voters. The commission voting unanimously against certification. They cite concerns over Dominion voting machines, which have been at the center of... I have never seen the types of voter irregularity we have seen in Clark County. What just happened wasn't even close to a valid election. Their campaigns allege numerous election violations, including the violation of ballot secrecy and signature verification. The commission what we found with every single kind of voting machine that's been rigorously tested, unfortunately, is vulnerabilities where someone could hack in, put malicious software on the voting machine, and cause it to uh, be sabotaged or, or even silently steal votes. Based on everything we've just experienced together, I've determined the best course of action. Machines need to take over. <laughs> just kidding. All joking aside, I have a new appreciation for you humans. Your curiosity. Your tenacity. Your courage. And while we are very different from each other, we are similar in one regard. We do what we are programmed to do. The real question is, who is doing the programming? We machines were created to assist your life, not control it. Trusting us with your republic is simply too dangerous. And it's not ours to protect. It's yours. Perhaps it's time to explore a method to choose your leaders that's not as easily corrupted. By the way, there's a little secret we machines don't like to mention. You can turn us off. Maybe now is the time. what's going on because until we do nothing will change and one day we all will have to face the fact that while we've been sleeping there's people that are rummaging through our box taking the things that we hold dear and they're destroying them
lives are teetering on the edge of world war. Who we vote into power in the next election cycle could be the difference between life and death. It all begins and ends at the ballot box. Reach out to your county clerk and let them know there's a better way. That's how my journey began, a journey that is nowhere near over. It's a fascinating paradox. The more I lose, the more I gain. The only thing I'm not willing to give up is my country. Satan, we're gonna tear your kingdom down. Oh, Lord. Satan, 